mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. It is Thursday night, Monday, Thursday. Our Lord Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper with his disciples in the upper room. He washes his disciples' feet to teach true leadership, and that is leadership through service. If you want to be great, serve others. For life is not about serving yourself or making your bellies full, but it is about your neighbor. Jesus has ultimately ultimate concern for his neighbor, that is, Jesus loves the world. And he serves the world by being the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, in order for Jesus to take away the sin of the world, the things that we heard tonight had to happen. Jesus had to be handed over to his enemies, to people who will torment him and ultimately kill him. So on that Thursday night, Jesus does what he always did with his disciples. He keeps his routines. He keeps his routine of crossing over the Brook Kidron going up the Mount of Olives to the Garden of Gethsemane, where he then goes to pray, as evidently he had done many other times. This night, though, some things are different. For on this evening, Jesus celebrates the Passover feast with his disciples. This is an annual feast, and it is a mark, a showing of what is about to come. Christ being the Passover lamb. Jesus also on that night gave uh, some rather long speeches, sermons, if you will, on things that are to come, as recorded in John 13, 14, 15, 16, and then his high priestly prayer in John 17. And Jesus also says something startling this night, for he interprets a passage that is recorded in the book of Zechariah. He shows how those words in Zechariah are speaking of him. He says, you will all be offended because of me this night, for it is written, now quoting Zechariah, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. Ouch. Jesus tells his disciples that they will be offended because of him and that they will scatter. He is suggesting that they will go away in some sort of sinful, cowardly fashion. Really, though, we have to admit that nothing has changed. Many who profess to be Christian and are willing to sit inside a church on Sunday morning will not be willing to tell others that they are Christian during the week. They may be embarrassed to tell their family or friends to pray with them at mealtime. And instead of saying, I have church on Sunday morning, they may be inclined to skip church or, and go do whatever their family and friends are doing. They do not serve then as Christ's witnesses. They don't even bother telling their closest family and friends, the things that are right and wrong, let alone telling them the gospel of Jesus Christ. So it is pretty clear that many still 
like the disciples, those whom Jesus was raising up to be apostles, many today are still offended because of Jesus and will readily scatter. But on Monday, Thursday, what brought about the disciples' offense? Why would they be offended? Was it a command that they had to give testimony concerning Jesus? No. Jesus says on this night that, quoting Zechariah again, I will strike the shepherd. But why would God do that? Jesus is the shepherd. Why would our Father in heaven strike his only begotten Son? The answer is clear. The answer is that so Jesus can do as John the Baptist said he would do, serve as the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world, to save his own, to save you from hell, and to bring you into his kingdom. And so Jesus is led as a lamb to the slaughter. His blood is shed to purify you of unrighteousness. Jesus is smitten by God. He is condemned to a sinner's death. For the Lord laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. So it is really no wonder that the disciples are offended. It really is no wonder that many take offense at the cross of Christ today. For people want to describe God as sovereign and almighty, awesome and great. And while those descriptions, names, or attributes of God are true, the problem is when we want to emphasize these attributes of God, we then sometimes forget that Jesus becomes our sin. That Jesus, who is God, suffers at the hands of sinful men and that Jesus, our Lord and our God, dies on the cross. That's scandalous to people. That causes offense. What? I have sinned that should cause death to happen to my Lord? I'm not that great of a sinner, we want to assert. Or, what also is scandalous in our minds, God a sinner? God becoming my sin and a God who dies? That seems way too weak. We would much rather have a God like Apollos or Zeus or Thor. Or we want to marvel in Avengers or in Batman. Who wants a God that becomes a curse on the tree? Who wants a God who washes feet? Who wants a God who dies? That is who Jesus is. And that shows the heart of God. For he does it in love for you as our Lamb of God, pure and holy. So he goes to the garden. He goes there knowing what is going to happen. He knows that his betrayer is coming. And he prays. Does he ever pray? He is set to bear the divine judgment of the last day. In great anguish, his sweat falls to the ground like great drops of blood. Look at what he must do in order to take away your sin. Look at how his blood serves as your ransom. 
This is not happy, clappy time. He didn't go through this so that Christians can now gather in self-worship and feel-good theology. When Christianity is reduced to mere emotion, then we are left with an empty shell that ultimately accomplishes nothing. Instead, we boldly testify, as happened in history, the shepherd is struck, and yes, the sheep are scattered. Satan tries to get people to run away from Jesus and never return. And so Jesus teaches you, watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. How many, though, do this today? How many are concerned about such matters? It seems to me that many people would rather, they rather become upset and angry or worried about the future when they see world events. And then when they commit sin, it's, oh, that's just a little oops, no big deal. But we must watch and pray lest we enter into temptation. Many who consider themselves Christian go about their days smugly. They figure that they can have one foot in the church door, but most of their body on the outside, in that wasteland around us, engaging in all sorts of vice with the world. The disciples, who were told to watch and pray, were oblivious to the devil's attacks, just like many are today. The disciples fall asleep. And then suddenly there's a commotion, and then there's a voice, Hail, Master. It's Judas Iscariot. He gives our Lord a kiss, not one out of gratitude or one out of affection, but one out of betrayal. And a group of men are with him with lanterns and tortures and weapons. You know that that is not going to be a good encounter when that happens. And Peter, he wakes up from his slumber. He cuts off the ear of the high priest's servant, Malchus. He's ready to fight this battle to the bitter end as he had vowed that he would. But Jesus tells Peter to put away his sword, for if he wants to live by the sword, he will die by the sword. And that, too, seems rather scandalous to people. Why will Jesus not stand up for himself? How weak must he be? Why won't he defend himself? If you think about it, that's rather scandalous to our you-need-to-look-out-for-number-one sensibilities. But Jesus does so not so that he could inflict punishment upon himself, but he does, he endures all of this because he has you in mind, because he is bearing your sin in his body, and he is reconciling you to your Father in heaven. And so Jesus must suffer as a criminal, as the sinner, who willingly receives the burden that is laid on him, who alone drinks the cup of God's wrath, his judgment for our sin, fulfilling the prophecy, I will strike the shepherd. Peter loses his courage. He's afraid to admit that he knows Jesus, as Jesus had prophesied and as is fulfilled. Peter will deny Jesus three times. The sheep are scattered, even 
impetuous, and seemingly brave Peter. For it is the day of the Lord. God punishes Jesus for the world's sin. It looks so horrible to man's sensibilities that an innocent man is put to death. But in it, we know that God's will is being fulfilled. In it, we know that we are being reconciled to God. In it, we know that the ransom payment that is required for our sin is being rendered. And Jesus also gives a promise. After I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. For he promises that he will rise. He promises that he will meet with them again. And so do not despair. And do not be scandalized by the truth of who God is in Christ. For Jesus is the Messiah, the Lamb of God. His wounds mean forgiveness of sins, eternal life, and salvation for you. He rises from the dead to give you the victory over sin, death, and the devil. You are his sheep. He is the good shepherd. And we join with Thomas in confessing, my Lord and my God. For behold, Jesus, our shepherd, the Lamb who takes away the sin of the world. Amen. In the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting.